Good morning and welcome to Carolina Family Church. For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is John and I'm the pastor here and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. And we are continuing a series called Poor Man's Gold. And yes, the song in that video is awesome. The whole song is awesome. You should definitely download it. That's a great band. Anyway, glad you're here today. We're going to talk about poor man's gold. Last week, we've been talking, we started talking about money and about how it messes with us and how we should have the right mentality about it. Last week was all about thinking properly about money. And today, I want to talk to you about managing money. And I got, just got to warn you, this one's not going to be like most other sermons that I do. Most other sermons I would consider preaching, like walking through a particular text and talking our way through it and learning exactly what it has to say. This is going to be more of a lesson today is the way I'm thinking of this. Because what I know about my life and about your life is that money has the power to mess with us. Bad. And particularly when we find ourselves in relationships where we're sharing money. That creates all kinds of problems. Disagreements about how to spend it and how to, how to not spend it and how to save it and debt and retirement and all this kind of stuff and budgets and incomes and we have all these problems. And here's what I know in 15 years of being a pastor, I know that when I sit down with a couple in particular or a single who is going through a very difficult time, money is almost always at the center of it. Almost always. So while typically I would get up here at the beginning of a message and I would spend a little bit of time convincing everybody in the room that the problem we're going to be talking about is actually a problem, when it comes to money, I don't think I need to do that. I think we all know it's a problem. I think we all know it creates fights. It creates major issues. In fact, there was an interesting study that was done uh, not too long ago by, let's see if I can, I've got it somewhere else in my notes. I'm going to go ahead and tell you about it now. Uh, who did this study? A college where is it? I don't know. Oh, Utah State University. There it is. Okay. At Utah State University in 2009, they did a study and they found that the number one predictor of divorce, number one predictor is the frequency of money fights that you have. And it's not, it's not, uh, when you graph it on a chart, the, the likelihood of someone getting divorced to the number of money fights they have. It's not a straight line. It's not a linear, linear result. It is an exponential result. It's a curve, which means that the more fights you have, the, the likelihood of divorce doesn't go up by, you know, incrementally. It goes up exponentially. It goes all the way up. And so it's a big indicator of the health of your relationship. And here's the thing, and we talked about this last week a little bit, but money isn't really the problem. Because money is a tool, money is a thing, money is amoral, money isn't good or bad, it's neither one of those things. It's just a thing that we use. There's something underlying that thing, and it's presented itself through money. And so we're going to talk today about how to manage wisely. I know that money creates a lot of fear and anxiety for many of us. Fear of what's going to happen next month or next year or 20 years down the road. It creates a lot of frustration and stress. And what I want you to know today is that it doesn't have to be that way. You may live in a world or have come from a background where that's all you've ever seen and it's all you've ever known. And so you think it's all you ever will know. You think that money fights and frustration and tension and arguments and all of this stuff is just the way of the world. And you need to know, well, it is the way of the world. But it doesn't have to be the way of your life. 
Because the hope that we get through Jesus Christ is that God can help us to live the life he created us to live, not this life that's full of sin and problems that we've created. And so I want you to know that it can get better. And while I stand up here and I would not ever say that I'm a perfect example of anything, I will say that when it comes to managing money the way that God wants you to and the peace that comes with it, I will, I'm willing to put myself out as an example for that. Because just in case you don't believe that it can get better, Jess and I have been married for 15 years. My wife and I have been married for 15 years. For the first three years, we had absolutely no clue what we were doing. No idea. We were, we were running it down to the, to the bottom of our checking account every single month. We were stressed. We were building up credit. I mean, we were financing everything. We had a payment for who knows what. It was crazy. Like, you shouldn't, I don't feel like you should have a payment for your couch, but we had a payment for our couch. Every time I sat on it, all I could think about was the payment. And so, we, and we, were, we were a complete mess. We were going nowhere. And we, some, basically, God snapped us out of it and said, no, things can be different. We took a course called Financial Peace University, which is created by Dave Ramsey. And I'll talk about him a little bit as we're going through today, because he's, he's a fantastic teacher on this, uh, and a Christian as well. And so, um, we took Financial Peace University and everything changed. We learned how to manage our money wisely. We learned how to think about money the right way. We learned how to be generous. We learned how to plan for the future. We learned how to communicate on a, with regard to our goals and vision for our life and everything we wanted to accomplish. We learned how to, how to plan it, how to actually budget and schedule it out and who the right one was to manage it. We learned all of that stuff. And I want you to know that in 12 years of doing that, 12 years, Jess and I have never fought about money. Not one time have we fought about money in the last 12 years. We've had discussions about what we should and shouldn't do with it, but we have never fought about it. And that's because we have managed it wisely, we've communicated well, and we've been trustworthy in the process. So I want you to know that it can be different. It doesn't have to be everything that you've always seen before. And I want to read to you a little bit from the book of Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And most, most of what you read in Proverbs is kind of hit and miss. It's, 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 like, it's like Solomon who wrote it is peppering you with wisdom. And so it's like a phrase and then a totally disjointed phrase and then a totally disjointed phrase. And they're all wise sayings. But at the beginning of Proverbs, there's a little more cohesion to what he's saying. Things connect together. And so I want to read to you from Proverbs chapter 3. And I just want you to listen to this, and I want you to listen to it through the lens of how you, as it, if you're single or you're a teenager, how you handle money, or if you're, if you're married, how you handle money and how you communicate about it. And see if this describes your financial life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses um, five, starting in verse 5. And by the way, verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs 3 are the verses that I learned the day that I accepted Christ as my Savior. They're very important to me. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, this is why I want you to, to plug in finance here. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. 
For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days are, are, is in her right hand, in her, in, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. This was a reading through that, and you think about how you relate with money. Does that describe it to you? Have you, have you, let me ask this question based off that scripture. Would you say that you use wisdom and discretion when it comes to finances? Because he says if you have wisdom and you have discretion, then you're not going to have restlessness, that you're going to have peace, that you're going to have confidence, that that it's going to be sweet, that it's going to be rest for your soul. Do you have that? Are you using wisdom when it comes to finances? That wisdom comes from God. It says that he will be our confidence. And that's what we really started talking about last week. That when we think about all of that we have through the lens of trying to honor God with it, to be godly and to be content, then it gives us a tremendous amount of peace no matter how much or how little we have. We start making wise decisions. This is what I found um, in my experience and with people that I've dealt with and I've coached and done financial coaching with. That when someone simply decides, it's simply the decision, I want to honor God with everything that I have. Then God has a way of taking everything that they have and making it go further. So you feel like you're stressed all the time. You feel like you're burning the candle at both ends. You feel like you never have enough. There's always month left at the end of the money. You know what I mean? And so you, you never feel like you're quite going to make it. And then as soon as you decide, I want to honor God with all that I have, all of a sudden it feels like there's more money. There's not. But it feels like there's more money. And it's because God is helping you through the power of his spirit to give you, make wise decisions with the money that you have. And he's, as you're doing that, he's bringing peace along with it. And that's where confidence comes from. How are you doing with that? Would you say that, that that explains, defines you and your financial life? Dave Ramsey, I'm, like I said, I'm going to have some quotes from him today. because he's, he's funny. He's good. Uh, he asked he it this way. Let's say that you work for a corporation called You Incorporated. And you manage money for You Incorporated. If you manage money for You Incorporated, the way that you manage money for you, would you fire you? Okay, if in your personal, let me just put it this way, because I think this is a really important thing to talk about, because we go to an accountant, we go to a financial planner, we go to someone like that, and we expect them to handle things correctly, right? Like, I'm paying you to do this. 
I'm expecting you, I'm trusting you to manage this money well. This is a concept the Bible calls stewardship. I'm trusting you to do this as a professional. And if I would have that expectation of someone managing money for me, why don't I have that same expectation of me managing money for me? Why wouldn't I make sure it's going just as far and doing exactly what it needs to do when it's mine? And well, the answer oftentimes is selfishness. The answer oftentimes is laziness. The answer oftentimes is ignorance. We just don't know how. And so I want to help you with the how today. No frills. We're going to be very, very practical today. All right. So I want to give you three steps to managing wisely. And if you're already doing this, use this as an opportunity to affirm what you're already doing. That's awesome. If you're not doing this, I think that there are really tangible steps that we're going to learn today that are going to help you get a handle on this stuff and start honoring God with your wealth. So three steps to managing wisely. And the first one is determine my priorities. Determine my priorities. Now, for those of you that are teenagers, listen up. I know um, you may or may not have jobs yet, but you, uh, maybe you have a, uh, uh, an allowance. Do parents do that anymore? I don't do that with my kids, but I've heard some people do that. In my house, if my kids want money, they're going to have to earn it. Have to do something for it. No free money getting passed around in our place. But, uh, but you might have chores that you do that you earn money for. Maybe you're starting to get a part-time job, and you're starting to think about how you spend that money. Here's what I want you to know. You may feel like the decisions you're making financially right now are low-impact decisions, and they, and they may be in the grand scheme of things. You know, how, how I use this couple hundred bucks, this few hundred bucks, you know, is it going to make a huge difference in a year from now? Probably not. But here's what I want you to know if you're a student, that the decisions you make now are setting the trajectory for the rest of your life. You need to know that across the board. The decisions you're making now are setting the trajectory for the course of your life. So it's not like you're going to handle things one way right now, and then all of a sudden you're going you're to go to college, and you're going to graduate, and now you're going to be an adult, and the switch is going to flip, and all of a sudden you're going to know how to do this stuff. And all of a sudden your priorities are going to be in order. What you need to do is start thinking now about the kind of person you want to be then, and be now who you want to be then. Okay? So manage things really wisely. Start making decisions about saving. Start making decisions about giving. Start making wise decisions about what you purchase and what you don't purchase and how you use those things that you have. Okay? Those of you that are single, I want to encourage you to sit down and to actually write out what your financial priorities are. Okay? This is something that you're probably going to do by yourself. Or if you have somebody in your life, a parent, a friend, a relative of some kind, who you really trust and you think that they manage money really well, maybe you ask them, say, hey, would you help me sit down and write down what my financial priorities should be? Maybe that would be good from an accountability standpoint. If you're married, this is something you need to do together. Here's the thing. When it comes to those money fights we were talking about in relationships, nine times out of ten, the problem is not the money. The problem is the priority. The problem is what you want to do with money versus what your spouse wants to do with money, and you haven't come to agreement on that, or you haven't had the discipline to actually do what you've come to agreement on, and so you're, not, you're fighting because you're opposed to one another. So what you need to do is you need to sit down and you say, what do we want to accomplish? Until you put the target on the wall, you cannot chart the path to get to the target. If you think about this like a, like a journey, if you were going to go, you know, let's say I wanted to go to Asheville. All right, I've decided that I want to go to Asheville because I want to eat at White Duck Taco. Some, do any of you know White Duck Taco? A couple of you? You should know White Duck Taco, okay? It's worth, it is worth a day trip to Asheville to eat. At, I'm just going to keep saying it so you don't forget it. At White Duck Taco. They're not paying me. I promise. I wish they would. With tacos. 
All right, they have, like, they have a pork belly, taco, pork belly taco that's amazing, a bulgogi taco, which is amazing. Anyway, it's fantastic. And you sit outside. Anyway, it's, fa- it's a great place. Anyway, go to the original. There's two of them there. Go to the original one. Don't go to the, the fake second one, okay? All right, but let's say if I wanted, I have to first decide that I'm going to go to White Duck Taco because if my wife and I get in the car and I want to go to White Duck Taco, okay, but she wants to go to Rooster's Wood-Fired Kitchen down in Charlotte, and we get in the car and we start driving, guess what? We're going to argue about every turn we take. Every time we turn, she's going to say, you're turn- you went the wrong way. I didn't go the wrong way. I got on I-40. That's what I'm supposed to do. You know? In my head, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. She doesn't agree. Why? Because we never agreed on where we were going. So we have to sit down and agree on where we're going, which would end up being Rooster's Wood-Fired Kitchen. Just... <laughs> Which is also great, by the way. Their beats are amazing. All right. Almost, almost all issues in marriage, when it comes to relating with money, they're not quantity issues. Right? They're priority issues. And those priority issues ultimately lead to trust issues because now the other person is acting in a way different than what I value. And maybe even they're working, acting in a way that they value, but it, I don't value it. So now I don't trust them with money. So now instead of putting our money together, we got to split it up because I don't, you do you and I'll do me and we'll be fine. Well, that's not what God's designed. So you need, you need unity. You need to talk about this, and you need to establish the priorities. And why this is so important is because, like I said, if you don't put the target on the wall, you'll never take the steps to get there. But this agreement allows you to, with confidence, make decisions about what you can't do. And that's one of the hardest things about managing finances. We want to do everything. We want to do what we want to do. And there's sometimes we need to say no to things. Prioritizing helps us to make those decisions. So to demonstrate this, I figured I would make it visual. I'm a pretty visual person. So um, I've got all these little styrofoam balls, and these, these represent expenses that we might have. And so I'm going to start kind of picking through here and see what we got. Let's see. Student loans. Oh, yeah, I, I used to have student loans. I don't anymore, thank goodness. But student loans, all right, I've got to pay my student loan. That's a bill, so I'm going to drop that in there. Uh, Water, right? I gotta gotta have water, you know. In my house is a well, but I've lived in the city. I know how it is. You gotta pay for water, you know. Uh, let's see. Oh, sports. This is good. Like going to the uh, like going to the uh, the Bob. It's not the Bobcats anymore, is it? <laughs> I'm just messing. He's wearing a Hornets jersey. I'm just messing with him. All right, like going. Yeah, going to the Hornets game. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. What else we got in here? On my phone, right? Got to have, and it's not just—it's not just the phone. I mean, like I got to be able to communicate, sure, but I got to get the new iPhone. You know, the iPhone—is it? It's the X that just came out, the new the X Plus. Yeah, yeah, the X Plus. Oh man, it's, that is sweet. Uh, my contract's actually coming up, and um, just saying, I—I uh, I need a—I need a bigger phone. Let's see. Oh, here's one: cigarettes. Some of you, all right. I know, I know not all of you, but I know some of you. Because when, uh, when we did the fence thing and you guys threw your temptations over, I saw what you wrote. All right? <laughs> Cigarettes. <laughs> I know. Shouldn't have written it if you didn't. You didn't put your name on it. What else we got? Oh, good. It's a tiny little thing. I couldn't read. Starbucks. Uh, I'm an Americano kind of guy. I get... Probably four or five a week. Got to have that. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. Ooh, vacation. Right? We're going to go on. These are fun. These are fun things, right? 
You ever need a bigger ball for that one? Vacation? I just wrote vacay, all right? This is tiny. Oh, there's some fun stuff down here in the bottom. Tools? Oh, I love tools. I bought a hammer. I bought a hammer drill yesterday. Okay, tools. Uh, ooh, cookout. Yeah, the restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. Strip tray, sometimes a big double burger tray, out west style with no onions. Cheddar style, oh my goodness. Yep, with the bacon ranch wrap, which is the best thing at cookout, by the way. I just, these are great. I'm sorry, I'm tempting you. It's just, this is good stuff. I'm hungry. <laughs> we figured that out. Oh, this is not for me, but nails. Getting your nails done. All right. What up? Beef jerky. I must have been hungry when I filled this out, too. <laughs> I also bought beef jerky yesterday. Uh, what else? I don't know what else. Botox? I don't know what I was thinking. All right, need that. Got to stay young. Got to stay young. 60's coming. What else we got? Video games. Oh, man, it's easy just to buy that extra little pack on the thing, right? All right, actually, you know, these little ones are fun. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do all these little ones. What else we got? Gym membership. Don't need that. Uh, boat. Man, there's good stuff in here. Oh, there's the new phone. Okay. Bacon. <laughs> Sorry about that. The lottery. All right, those tickets are cheap. Uh, hobbies. Lots of other stuff. I'm not going to read them all. Sweet frog. Golly, they're all food. <laughs> I really was about to have dinner when I wrote these. Um, let's put a bunch of these. All right, good. That's you know, there's some good stuff. Piano lessons. Man, this is fun. You know, the thing about money is you can have a lot of fun with it. You know that? You have a lot of fun with money. Oh, a new scope? Or my hunter's in the room? New scope? Okay. All right. God, oh, man, there's good stuff in here. Treadmill. All right. We've got that. Concerts. Oh, they're fun. I'm going to see Dawes here in a few days. Golf. Where's Jerry? Golf. Going. All right. Yeah, that's all the little stuff. That's fun. No, no, there's another one. Well, we got TV. All right. Yeah, I got to have a new TV. All right. Cool. Um, and then we're getting to some other stuff here. Oh, lawn maintenance. Yeah. I mean, you either got to buy the lawnmower or you got to pay someone to do it, right? So got to take care of the yard or the neighbors get mad. Storage. How many of you have storage units out of curiosity? How many of you? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. I'm look, actually looking at getting one for the church, not for me. But um, gifts for friends. This is, this is all good stuff. This is fun stuff to do. Restaurants, right? I've been talking about those. That's good. Keep going. I'm trying to speed this up. Dance lessons. I have a daughter. Uh, prescription medications. Got to have that stuff, right? What else we got? Oh, credit card payments. Anybody credit card pay? I won't make you raise your hand. Credit card payments. Uh, car repairs. Cars are expensive. If you figured that one out yet. Um, furniture. You know, just we just moved into a new house. Furniture is a need, right? So we got insurance. Got to have insurance. That's expensive too. All right, good. So now we're getting a little bit bigger. And the expenses get a little bigger. The importance get a little bigger as we go, right? Gas, right? Got to pay for gas. Cable. That cable bill can get ridiculous, can it? It should be on the big wall. Car, right? Maybe a car payment or whatever you may have. I mean, you got to get around. Uh, groceries, right? This should be, I don't know, this ball should be huge, particularly if you got kids in the house. 
Uh, <clears throat> power, power bill, got to pay that, got to keep the lights on, right? Uh, what else we got? A rent or mortgage, that's probably a huge part of your budget if I had to imagine. Uh, let's see, savings, right? We got to get ready for retirement, we got to do all that. <clears throat> and then I have, uh, then I have giving, I'm fit. That's okay. We just won't do that one. <laughs> right? Well, you know what? The truth is savings doesn't really fit either. It's, it's over the top. And, you know, here's the thing. That once you run out of money and you keep spending, what do you have to do? What's the only solution? Debt. Right? Credit cards. Financing. 12 months, same as cash. Right? That's, that's your only option. So we don't even really have room for that either. And the truth is, for most people, this is what their budget looks like. But I just want you to know that there's another way to do this. This is what happens. This is what happens when you don't plan. This is what happens when you don't set your priorities. You don't have the ability to do everything you want to do because you didn't set out to do it in the first place. And so all those little things creep up and take over all the good things in some case, take the place of the great things. But there's another way to do this. Instead, let's plan this thing, and let's start with the, with the big stuff. So let me start with giving. Let me do that first. And uh, rent, that's a big deal. We're going to put that in. And the car... Get that down in there. And uh, phone. Now, I need to have phone for my job and all that kind of stuff, so we're going to put that in. Saving. Let's make sure that that gets in there. Those, we've got some, let's see, uh, groceries. Yeah, you got to have food, right? I mean, you have to have food. It's expensive, but you, know, you can shop at Aldi instead of shopping at Harris Teeter or whatever. Nothing against Harris Teeter. It's just more expensive. Uh, power. we got to keep the power on, right? And then let's start getting some of this other stuff in here. Cable, all right, let's get that. We're planning it so we can, we can make it all, try to make it all fit. Student loans, let me get that in there. All right, I'm just going to start. I'm not going to announce it all anymore. Just going to start moving. Let's see. Get some of this down in there. We're doing pretty well right now. This is crazy. It didn't fit before. We got most everything in there. Here's the thing. It doesn't mean everything's going to fit. But I got almost, I, here's the thing that I know. I got the most important things in there. 
the power bill's not going to go unpaid. The, I'm going to make sure that I'm saving for retirement. I'm going to make sure that I'm giving and being generous. I'm going to make sure that I'm paying for the groceries and there's food on the table. But you know what? There's, there's a couple that don't quite fit. Oh, man. No Bobcats games. It's a shame. Uh, yeah, nails didn't fit, I'm afraid. Sorry, you okay with that? Can, yeah, I know, it's a big deal. But let me ask you this. If you had to choose between nails and your rent, what's more important? Rent, of course. But the problem is when we don't plan, all of a sudden we go get our nails done and we don't have money to pay the rent. How messed up is that? That's not a good idea, so no, no to that. Vacation, we're going to swap that out. Uh, I'm planning, okay? Lottery is not going to fit. Cookout. Oh, I can't. I made it fit. I got it to go. All right. So that, but the idea, now you're getting the picture that, that when you plan, you can fit more in. All right, when you plan, and this is the most important thing, when you plan, you have confidence that you're doing what you set out to do. And so when you sit down to, to go through your priorities and decide what's going to make it into the jar, what's going to make it in our budget, I want to encourage you to ask a couple of questions. First, to pray and say, God, what do you want here? What do you want me to do? That's the first thing to do. And then... You ask this question, what is most important to us? Just in life in general, because here's the thing, almost everything in life costs money in some way or another, or, or we, we put money towards it. So what is most important to us? You say things like family are most, is most important to us. Our church is most important to us. Having a house <laughs> is very important to us, and having food is very important to us. Going to college is very important to me. Or going to grad school is very important to me. Being generous is very important to me. All these things that we say, these are the most important things for us. And we're going to make sure that when we plan, when we develop our plan, that it's going to serve these things. The second question to ask is, what do we want to accomplish? So what's important to us? The second question, what do we want to accomplish? So it might be, well, I want to retire at 65. You better plan. You better plan if you want that. And if your plan is depending on Social Security, I would just say, I'll just caution you on that plan. <laughs> and it might not be the most wise one that you might put in place. And so, uh, so how do I want to plan for retirement? Uh, maybe missionary work of some kind you would love to do or starting a nonprofit it is something you want to accomplish. Uh, again, going to college or going to grad school, uh, paying off debt. Might be something that you want to accomplish and to set a time frame for that. Buying a car instead of financing a car. Buying a car instead of financing a car. Buying a car instead of financing a car. I thought maybe three times it would sink in. So uh, buying a car. Maybe adopting a child might be something that you want. Or go through, going through fertility treatments or something like that. What do you want to accomplish what's out ahead of you? And then you look at what you value, what's important to us, and what your goals are, what you want to accomplish, and then you pray again and say, God, are these things honoring to you? Is this what you want for us? And once you've set those things in place, then you're going to make a plan. Now, before you actually work on a budget, you need to know how you're already spending money. 
In order to know where you're going financially, you need to know where you have been financially and where you are. And so you need to sit down, take the last three to six months of bank statements, and categorize every expense that you have. And that means your, your checking account, it means your credit cards, it means anywhere that you're spending money. You need to categorize where all that's going. And I know for some of you that are married, that scares you to death. It scares you to death. And in some cases, the reason is because you know that you've been spending money in a way that you shouldn't have been spending money. You've been spending money on things or too much on things that you shouldn't have been spending. And the idea, you feel okay with it because right now it's all sitting in the dark. But you're scared to death of that thing getting dragged out into the light. But there is no way you're going to get a handle on your finances and be godly in your finances with contentment the way we talked about last week if you don't take all that stuff and drag it out into the light and deal with where you actually are. And so it might mean honesty, it might mean confession, it might mean grace and forgiveness with your spouse as well. So you take all of that, you categorize that to see where you are right now, and then you can develop a plan for where to go. All right, so that's the second step. The first one is to determine my priorities. The second is to develop my plan or our plan, if it's two of you. So if my goal is to drive to White Duck Taco... And my wife's goal is also to, to, to drive to White Duck Taco, because we've agreed on that. Then we need to figure out how to get to White Duck Taco. Because if we don't have a plan that gets us there, if we don't have a map that gets us there, a GPS that gets us there, something to get us to the place, we are not going to get there. I couldn't, I couldn't drive you there right now. If we got in a car and you said, take me to White Duck Taco, I don't know. I could get towards Asheville probably. I would be lost after that. You need a plan. You have to put it in place. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. And so you need a plan. This is uh, where we bring in the B word. The b -b 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 budget. The budget. All right? I call it a, a spending plan. It makes me feel better. You can call it a cash flow plan if you like that better. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to spend every dollar you make on paper before you make it or before you spend it, before the month begins. Now, my wife and I have done something someone taught us to do very wise, and that's that we've gotten ahead by a month. So this month we're spending the money we made last month. We had to save up one month's income in order to do that. But this month, we're spending the money we made last month. So we, before we write any checks, before we, well, we don't write checks anymore. Before we, before we make any payments online or set up auto pay for whatever, before we do any of that stuff, we already know the money's in the bank. So I'm never worried about when the mortgage is coming out or when we're buying groceries or when this is happening or when that's happening because the money's there at the beginning of the month. We spend it through the month. And then the money we make this month pays for the bills next month. So at the beginning of the month, I do the budget. I set the expenses. We know exactly where we're going to land. That alone will give you a tremendous amount of peace. you got to manage the money because if you don't actively manage your money, it will passively manage you. You either tell the money where to go or it goes wherever it wants. So this is just diligence. It's planning. It's wisdom. If you don't quite know where to start on making a budget, um, I've printed off some sample budgets off Dave Ramsey's website. They're sitting out at the Welcome Center or the Resource Center. If, as you're leaving today, you can grab a copy of that. It'll give you some steps on how to get going with a budget. The other thing, if you're not into the paper thing anymore like me, then um, he has a fantastic app that you can download on your phone. It's called the Every Dollar Budgeting app. Right, it'll do it all for you. It'll, it'll ask you. You'll plug it in. It'll manage it for you, tell you how you're doing, where you are, and all of that. Tremendously helpful feature. 
And if you want to take Financial Peace University because you want to really learn the way that we did about how to manage money practically, we're going to be offering that in January, okay? So uh, if you're interested in that, let's clear the holidays, try to hold off on the credit cards, and then when we get to January, uh, we'll have Financial Peace University for you. All right. A budget is a tangible expression of our priorities. And I want to give you a few examples of what this looks like. All right, just a, a sample budget and some of the decisions that have to be made when you put one of these together. So I've got a few people that I made up. These are fictional people. And um, so we're going to start with Sean and Karen. All right. Sean and Karen, this is their budget. I know not everything's on here. Don't nitpick the budget, okay? I did it quick. All right, but Sean and Karen, this is their financial picture, their financial life. And um, so let's look how much they make together. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Let's look at their income. All right, so they make $5,000. Don't know exactly what their jobs are, but they make $5,000 between the two of them. And now let's look at how they spend it. All right, so they give 10%. They, uh, their rent is uh, $1,100. That's a decent place that they're paying rent. It's $1,100. Um, uh, groceries, they got restaurants, power, water, phone, cable. Uh, looks like they got some car loans and pays, uh, they got some gas and insurance on the cars. Think about cars, it's interesting. Well, we'll touch on that in a minute, I guess. Um, uh, they're putting away money for emergencies. They're putting away money for retirement, 10%, which is great. It's fantastic. They're, you look at this. So they're giving $500, they're, they're saving $500 for emergencies, and they're saving $500 for retirement. They're living on 70% of their income. It's a fantastic model to follow if you can do it, okay? Um, they're saving for Christmas. I don't know if you realize this. Christmas happens every year. It does. I don't know why we get to, like, October or November and all of a sudden freak out because Christmas is coming, and we forgot that it was coming. It costs money every year. And so if you don't put a little bit aside every single month leading up to Christmas, what ends up happening? Well, you either trust in a bonus that may or may not come in. Bonus doesn't come in, and now we got a real problem. Or you got to finance it. And then you're paying the same amount for the same things, except you're going to pay more on the back end and deal with all the stress of a credit card. So just save some money every single month. So when Christmas comes, you have a budget, you spend that, you don't have to worry about it. All right. So they're saving some money for Christmas. They're saving some money for vacation. They got a, a, a minimum payment there on a credit card. Um, got a little bit in furniture and a bit on the student loan. But look, expenses, dead with her, with her income. She's doing fine. She, and she's getting ahead a bit because she's saving for retirement. She's saving for emergencies. She's saving for things that are coming up. This is, a, this is a good example of a budget. All right, let's go to the next one. Now we got Penelope. Um, Penelope's single. She's living on her own. Um, she's working. And so let's look at what her income is. Three grand. So she's making 36000 a year. She's, she's young, getting started. And, um, and so uh, let's take a look at her budget. All right, so again, she's giving, and, and uh, she's got her rent and groceries and power and car loan and all this kind of stuff. Uh, she's not saving anything for emergencies. So if, if, her, if her tires go out on her car, she's in trouble, right? If the water heater goes out, she's, she's got an issue to deal with. Um, she's not saving anything for retirement. She's young, probably not thinking about it yet. But she is saving for Christmas, vacation. She's got the credit card, furniture, and student loan. But we got a problem here. The problem is that her expenses are higher than her income. What's the only solution for this? Debt or repossession? Bankruptcy? I mean, these are, none, these are, are these any things that we want to do? These are not, the, these are not things we want to <laughs> ask mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably if you're young, that's, that might be the option, right? 
But that's not sustainable, right? You can't do that over the long term. So if we look at her budget, what are some of the decisions she could make? All right, let's take a look at some of the decisions that she made. I made some adjustments to her budget to get her back to zero. Let's look at the next one. All right, so we brought her grocery bill down. She's going to start shopping at Aldi, okay? It's cheaper. All right, she's going to start shopping at Aldi, uh, save a little bit of money, and she's going to spend a lot less eating out, all right? She, she, had a, she was spending a lot in restaurants, and she doesn't need to spend that much, all right? So you buy a little less, you eat out a few, you eat at home a couple more times. We brought her grocery bills down. Her car loan was way too high. I think it was like $350, all right? It's more car than she needs. She doesn't need a car like that, okay? So you have to be able to make decisions that are appropriate for the situation that you're in, all right? $150 car payment certainly can get her enough car to do whatever it is she needs to do. And, and this is the thing about car loans I was going to mention a minute ago. The thing about cars is that they trickle down to several other things. So you spend more on your car and you get a higher car payment. You're not just spending more on your car. You're probably going to spend more in gas unless you're going to like a hybrid or something like that. You're going to spend more in insurance. So all of your, it's like a house. You move into a bigger house, it's not just your mortgage that goes up. Everything goes up. Your power bill goes up. Your water bill goes up. Your maintenance bills go up. The likelihood of something breaking goes, everything goes up. So these things all scale together. So we brought our car loan down. It brought down her gas. You didn't know that she was driving a big old truck. <laughs> but anyway, so she got rid of that truck, saved on gas, saved on insurance. And now, hey, we're balanced now. And we even were able to add some money in over in emergencies, all right, so she can start to get ahead. She just had to make a couple small tweaks in order to get where she needed to do. Now let's look at our next example, Herman and Louise. I just like those names. Herman and Louise. Now, now let's take a look. Now they're, work, they're both working, and they're making a really, really strong income. So let's take a look at what they're making they're making $9,000 a month, all right? That puts them in the, right, right in the six-figure range, all right, for an annual income, assuming I'm not figuring in taxes and insurance and all that stuff. But they're bringing home $9,000. That's a lot of money. Can we agree? It's a lot of money? All right, but let's take a look at their budget. They're still, they're $1,100. The, they're worse off than Penelope. Now, you wouldn't know it by looking at them. You wouldn't know it because they've got a massive house, because they have amazing brand new cars, because they're going on vacations, because they're buying clothes, because they look super successful on the outside, but they're not. They're worse off than either of the other two we've been looking at. Why are they worse off? They're worse off because they are financing a lifestyle. They're even the, this is the thing about money. The, the answer is not getting more. It's, the answer is almost never getting more. The answer is managing better what you have, learning to live within your means, whatever those are. Now, their means are pretty substantial. So there's no reason that they can't get this under control and still live a, a pretty nice lifestyle. So, so I made some adjustments to their budget. First of all, they've eaten out way too much, way too much. I'm guessing these folks have teenagers. It's just my guess. They're fictional, so who knows? But uh, we brought down their restaurant budget. Eating out is something that we culturally expect to do. It is not an expectation around the world. It has not historically ever been an expectation. This is a new thing for us to go to a place where somebody makes your food for you and serves it to you and cleans up after you. That's a rich person thing, okay? We've, we expect that. We do it all the time. It's a cultural thing for us. So there's no reason that that budget cannot get cut back down or delivered to you. Dylan. Okay, so anyway... <laughs> uh, phone. All right, their phone bill was out of control. 
And again, that's why I think they probably had teenagers. Phone bill was out of control. Going to bring that down. Going to use a, maybe you don't use the name brand phone carrier. You're going to bring it down to somebody else. Um, cable, their cable bill was outlandish. We're coming down, down to the $20 cable, which you can get, by the way, not listed on the website. You got to ask for it. But, uh, or, or you get, uh, <laughs> or you get uh, some help from a representative um, for somebody. Anyway, so we're going to get their cable bill way down. Um, they're going to cut all that stuff. They may just have like really, really basic, or maybe they're getting over the air and adding the internet, you know, on it or whatever, down to 50 bucks. Car loans, they had like 750 bucks in car loans, which is just, nobody needs that much. And so uh, we brought that down. Now they've each got a car at about 250. Um, and the ideal, of course, is to pay for a car, not to get a loan, but I'm dealing with real world here. Um, gas comes down, insurance comes down along with it. Um, they have decided to save a little bit less for Christmas because they were going to have an elaborate Christmas uh, with what they were saving and bringing back their vacation. And once they do that, they're back at zero. So here's the thing. The solution to getting our budget in order isn't making more money, although sometimes we have to in order to get through a pinch. The solution is making wise decisions with what we have. And we got into the situation that we're in by the decisions that we have made. And unless we make a change now, we're going to continue making the decisions that we've made. So we have to write it down. We have to plan it out. We need to develop that budget. Jess and I have made these decisions, okay? Um, when, when we first realized our finances were a mess, we decided that we were going to get rid of cable. We were going um, we to downgrade our cars. We were going to do all that stuff. We drove paid-for cars for years that were falling apart, but we kept patching them back, duct-taping them back together um, because it was cheaper to duct-tape them back together than it was to go get a car payment. And uh, we lived in small places, and we, made, we didn't eat out, and we used a cash envelope system. And we had, between the two of us, we had $40 a week for for eating out at restaurants, and, and we had some money that we could spend on whatever we needed. We bought groceries with cash. We did all that kind of stuff, all so that we could discipline ourselves. And that brings us to the next thing. I need to develop my plan, and then I need to discipline my practices. Am I going to own money, or is money going to own me? I need to actually do what I planned. And that takes some drastic measures in some cases, Prioritizing isn't hard. Budgeting isn't rocket surgery. Uh, but actually having the discipline to do it, that is hard. Um, and I know we've really struggled with this one. And so one of my favorite verses, um, you just, you got to be wise. You can't use force. One of my favorite verses, uh, Proverbs 27, 22, no matter how hard you beat a fool, you can't pound out the foolishness. So those of you, in, in some cases in your marriage, you're frustrated with your spouse is spending money. That's not the solution. All right. Uh, you need to plan, and you need to be disciplined. Jesus said that whoever is faithful in what is least, this is Luke 16, whoever is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful with unrighteous mammon or unrighteous riches, worldly wealth, who will commit your trust, or who will commit to your trust the true riches? What I want you to know is that and this is, this is the problem that I have with most financial teachers who are Christians, um, is that they teach you all these principles. They give you really practical, great stuff on how to get a hold of your finances and how to manage money. But at the end, the goal is still the same, more money. That's my problem with it, is that at the end of the day, that what they're selling you is more money. They're selling you financial freedom. They're selling you wealth. They're sending, selling you building a legacy. And ultimately, that's not what our goal should be. Our goal should not be to build wealth. 
Our goal should not be to have as much stuff as we can possibly have. Our goal should be to honor God with whatever it is that we have. Our goal should be godliness. Our goal should be trustworthiness before God. Our goal should be faithfulness to Him. Not riches, not wealth, not financial security or safety or whatever it is that we might be looking for. Our goal is supposed to be honoring Him with our wealth, being wise with what we have. And not only does that matter now, and and it's going to change the level of peace we have now, but it's going to matter later. It's going to matter when Christ returns. It's going to matter when Christ establishes his kingdom here, and he looks at each of us and says, have you been faithful with what I gave you? And if you've been faithful with what I gave you, you've been faithful with worldly wealth. Well, then I can trust you with true riches. I can trust you with responsibility. I can trust you with reward. I can trust you with everything that I have for you in my kingdom. So we are preparing for what's coming, not just for what's here. But in order to do that, we need to plan. To honor God, we need to be good stewards and put this plan in place. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful in the moment, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Are you willing, this is the question, are you willing to be wise with wealth so that you being trained by God's discipline can have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's pray together. God, I come to you and thank you for your love and for all that you've blessed us with. I ask God that you would honor what we've discussed today. And for those that are young and are getting started in their financial life and they're starting to make decisions and with the first paychecks that they're getting or the first earnings that they have or with the things that they own, that you would help them to begin setting a charting a course right now for the rest of their life to be generous, to be wise, to be patient, um, diligent in all of these things. And so I pray for those that are young and getting started. I pray for those that are single and managing money by themselves that you would, through your power of your spirit, give them discipline. Give them perspective to see what's important and how to manage it in a way that's wise. And for those that are married, God, I pray that you would help in their relationship for them to communicate about money and about what they're trying to accomplish together and the greater question of of unity and goal setting in their relationship and the purpose of their relationship. And that you would help them be disciplined and honest and trustworthy to manage that money toward those ends. And as we all do this together and as we commit to honoring you, I pray, God, that you would bless that. You'd give us wisdom and all the things that we need in order to follow through. It's in your name we pray. Amen.